of his love, his amazing love. I want you to look with me first over to, I love the word, Psalm 37, beginning at verse 3. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It's, it's actually translated from the King James. We might read some from the King James, but I really feel compelled to, to share this. So good to see my cousin Debbie with us too. We know that God's on her case. She's got a schedule for, is it hip knee surgery or hip surgery? Hip replacement. Uh, but we know the, who the great physician is. And so Psalm 37, beginning with verse 3, says, Keep trusting in the Lord and do what's right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will dwell in the land feasting on his faithfulness. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh and he will give you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life as you trust him along the way. You'll find he pulled it off perfectly. He'll appear as your righteousness. As sure as the dawning of a new day, he'll manifest as your judge, justice. As sure and strong as the noonday sun, quiet your heart in his presence and wait. Waiting is what we are not used to. We live in a fast-paced, fast-food world. But he said, wait patiently. That word patiently, it's a very powerful Hebrew word. Patiently means to whirl. Or to dance. You understand that God kind of patience is not the kind of patience that just makes you be still. Sometimes you need to be still and know that he's God. But what he's meaning here, if you wait patiently, you're going to be dancing because you know it's as good as done. Come on somebody. Faith is not a tool that you put in your tool belt to pull out whenever you need God to do something for you. Faith becomes your address. It's a place that you live. For the just shall live by faith. Faith works by love. Now, it's important that you know that. And I'm telling you, I believe this is going to revolutionize even the young people. And, and, and so many of us, like myself... God has to unravel some of the religious ideals that I was brought up in. Because there's liberty. There's a lot of truths that I was taught, but you understand a lot of things that was not really conducent to, to the fruitfulness God wanted to bring me into. Because it left me feeling like God was at a distance and that He just tolerated me. Come on, you understand what religion wants you to believe that, that, that you know, this, this, that Jesus came so God could tolerate us. No, that's absolutely wrong. It was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Somebody said God had to turn his back on his son. That's not even Bible. Over in Isaiah, it said, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. That word esteem means we figured he was. 
Do you understand? The father is not a child abuser. He's not abusing his son on the cross. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. I feel like preaching. Can I do it? Here's what he told his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, I love you with the same love my father loves you. All of you going to leave me. But my father is not going to leave me because he's always with me. Now, if that's a true statement, it means God was in Christ through the whole ordeal, reconciling the world. It was God in Christ when Jesus looked at the woman caught in the act of adultery and said, neither do I condemn you. The father was saying, neither do I condemn you because Jesus said, I'm just here to say what I've heard my father say. So I want to tell you, if, if you're steeped in that feeling of guilt and condemnation, that didn't come from the Father. He'll bring conviction, because conviction is His love to bring us out of the bondage of whatever may be holding us captive. So when you think about this word, delight yourself, the King James says, he says, keep yourself delighted in the Lord. That word delight is... A, is it's kind of an effeminate word. Hang on, guys. God's using a word that means to be tender, soft, and pliable. Delight yourself in the Lord. He's delighted in you. And when you delight yourself in the Lord, and, and, and He becomes this... This, this amazing father that loves you unconditionally, this father that loves you and, and wants you to come into that circle where the swirl of the love, the perfect love of the father loves the son with perfect love, the son loves the Holy Spirit with perfect love, the Holy Spirit loves the father with perfect love and perfect love. He wants to bring us into that swirl of perfect love. First John 4, he that's fearful is not made perfect in love. Let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is not a dread. The fear of the Lord is a scary excitement. Scary excited. Come on brings me to a place where I have, it means to respect, to honor, to give him glory and, and reverence. But you understand there's something about this relationship. That's why David danced before the Lord with all of his might. That's why religion, his wife, kind of like religion, looked out the window and despised him in her heart. Paul even says that this message has become a stumbling block to those who are following the law. Why? Because it's free. And because it was free, they couldn't earn it. They couldn't, they couldn't be affirmed through their works. So they stumbled over the message. Come on, God wants you to just relax. Look at your neighbor and tell them just breathe. Yeah. Woo. Hang with me. It says, quiet your heart in his presence and wait patiently for Yahweh. 
Don't think for a moment that the wicked and their prosperity are better off than you. Now, go over to John 15 with me. Yeah, I want to I reiterate something I've been sharing, and I believe it's important that we remember. Paul, Peter said, I put you in remembrance of them, some things you probably already know. But the first thing we got to know is that we belong. Come on, do you understand? Jesus paid the price for us to belong. In the garden in John 17, when Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer, he said, he said Father, the, those that you've given to me belong to me, and those that you've given to me belong to you, and we belong to them. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them, you belong. Because only when you realize that you belong in his presence is, is the moment that you can start to behold. Because behold is the means of becoming. Let me tell you what. Beholding is the means of becoming. Whatever you look at, you gaze at, you're attracted to. If you spend a lot of time gazing or looking at whatever you look at, it, you're, you're attracted to it and you can become that. So it's important that we understand we belong so that we can behold. John stood in the River Jordan, 17 miles outside Jerusalem. Jesus' cousin is about to baptize him. And he tells Jesus, he said, I need you to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, I'm here for the scripture to be fulfilled. You baptize me. And he said, suffer it to be so now. And he baptizes him and he comes up out of the water. And the Bible said the heavens opened and a, a spirit like a dove descended upon Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus immediately was driven into the wilderness and, and and for the sake of identity, here's where I want to take you to. If you don't know you belong, you, you won't understand beloved identity. You won't understand the depth of this love. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. Wow. It's amazing. I can't do anything to earn that. It's a free gift. I just need to receive it and walk in it. So we find here a picture of John when he sees Jesus coming. He says, behold the Lamb of God. Look, whatever you behold, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Mine was in that bunch. Yours was in that bunch. Woo! It's already done. His works were established before the foundation of the world. They were done. He rested on the seventh day because he had finished all his works. Let me tell you, your miracle, your breakthrough does not come out of chaos. Your breakthrough is not, not going to come out of you being frantic. Oh God, I've been there. Because if my breakthrough comes, my breakthrough is going to be filled with chaos. Come on. Isn't that true? So if my breakthrough comes from my resting, <laughs> if my breakthrough comes from knowing that I'm beloved, 
if it comes through from knowing that I belong. Come on, all of a sudden I find myself in a place where breakthrough is not something I have to beg God to do because it's going to happen uh, almost organically. It's going Peter's shadow. Uh, he, they, he, 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 he didn't lay hands on anybody. It was his effervescence. You ever, I remember when I was growing up, I would have upset stomach, mama, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Alka-Seltzer. You see the bubbles coming up? You know what? That's effervescence. God wants you to be effervescent. Paul, Peter is so confident of his identity. And he's been looking to the eyes of the Father. And he's delighted himself in the Lord. And people knew he was headed in their direction. So they just laid people in the streets hoping that his shadow would fall on them. And as many as his shadow fell on, they were healed. Why? He was effervescent Jesus. He was effervescing the power of the Holy Ghost just in his walk because he was so confident in beloved identity. Wasn't always that way. No, let me take you back to Jesus. Remember, he goes into the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. Because he's got a body like ours. He knows what it's like to be hungry. The devil comes and takes a stone. First thing he does is question what his father told him. First thing the devil's going to do is make you question what the father's told you. What he wants you to know. Why? Jesus Standing there and the devil said, if you're the son of God. No, no, 40 days earlier, the father said, this is my beloved son. Whatever you learn, whatever revelation comes into your spirit, the truth, the enemy's going to come to try to convince you otherwise. And it's mostly because of beloved identity. He don't want you to believe what the Father believes about you. That's so good, I'm going to write it down. The devil don't want you to believe what the Father believes about you. So he says, if you're the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. He'll hit, hit you at your weakest moment and use the very thing that you need the most. To convince you you're not who you say you are. Oh, liar, liar. More than pants on fire. <laughs> Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. If we move over into the realm of reason and logic, it's a dangerous place to be. Reason and logic has got a lot of people where they don't believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in the move of the Spirit. They don't believe how deeply they're loved. Reason and logic will keep you out of the breakthrough that God longs for you to have. But if you're led by the Spirit, 
That's a whole nother matter. It takes you into a different realm, a different place, a different understanding. Jesus knew exactly who he was. And the devil didn't shake his faith. He didn't make him weaker just because he's tempting him. As a matter of fact, Jesus comes back with a word from the Old Testament. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let's go to John 15. I went the long way around. You were so precious. I'm going to read it from the translation. Passion translation. When, when you read in John 15, you, you, you read 25 times John uses the word abide. Ten times in the first ten verses. And he uses it several times in 1 John and Second John. So there must be something important about abide. Minno. It means to stay in a given place. With expectancy. Jesus starts this, this story in John 15 in the King James. It says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the owner, the husbandman, which is the owner of this vineyard. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Hang with me. He says, I'm the sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. And pruning, that means cleansing. Katharos. Every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Look at that in the same context. The, the pruning and the cleansing is the same thing. So you must remain in life union with me. That word life union is what Dr. Simmons used in the, in the translation of abide with me for I remain in life with, union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I'm the sprouting vine, you're the branches. You're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. You're not going to have to try to be an evangelist. It'll just happen. Come on, somebody. Yes, you don't have to try. But Brother Bo, let me tell you, this is flowing from me. You're not even having to try to be a missionary to Peru because it's just flowing from you. That, that I'm telling you, God calls you to be so connected to the vine that that ministry just flows from you without effort. You don't have to really make it happen. God makes it happen. You follow his direction and, and it's going to be amazing. Let me tell you, you don't have to try to do anything or be anything that, that, that God has already called you his beloved and he's going to make it happen. And when you stay in life union with him, the fruit is going to flow. So he says, when you live separated from me, you're powerless. If a person separated from me, he's discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live a life union with me and my words live powerfully within you. That word means rhema. Something spoken by the Father. Remember, the enemy's going to make you doubt what the Father said. But the Father said, life-giving words. 
He said, whatever you desire, he said, if you live, if that happens, then you ask whatever you desire and it'll be done when your lives bear abundant fruit. You demonstrate that you're my mature disciples who glorify my father. Look at verse nine. I love each of you with the same love that the father loves me. I want you to just think about that for a moment. I love you with the same love that the Father loves me. It's amazing. It wouldn't be perfect love if he didn't. You understand. The enemy wants to make you believe that God uses a different kind of love to love us. That's the same God. He doesn't change. Same love. Perfect love. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you'll live in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands, but I continually live nourished and empowered by His love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. It's important. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Now turn over with me to 1 John 3. Then we'll go into 1 John 5, maybe Ephesians 1. Hang with me. Verse 18. Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about. But a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. Here's, here is the results of being in life union with Jesus. It won't be self motivated it'll be other motivated come on you understand this they are three but they're one that means that they're three and they're one without the loss of self me and that woman have been married for 47 years we are one Without the loss of self. I don't have to convince her that I love her. She don't have to convince me. But every now and then, it's really good to say it. And it's important to know the Father, He don't need to be convinced that He loves us. Heard a guy say, yeah, my wife said I loved her. She told me that. <laughs> Hang on, we're just going to be family, all right? <laughs> so it's important to know what he's writing about. He said, we know the truth lives within us. Because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure, that means tranquilize our hearts. That love, that truth in us will tranquilize uh, so that we're not frantic and anxious anymore. And the enemy can't flip a switch and cause us to get on board with his frantic train again. Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty, 
listen to this, and reminds us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And he knows everything there is to know about us. Let me read that one more time. Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. He knows everything there is to know about us. John 21, 17. Jesus has made fish and bread. The disciples have gone fishing. Peter's the first one to swim to Jesus. They're sitting around the fire, and the third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And here's what Peter said. Peter said to Jesus when he asked the third time, he said, Lord, you know everything about me. You know I love you. I want to tell you, there's a higher courtroom for the human heart. It's where grace is enthroned. You can't earn grace. The very worst that's in us is known by God, and he still showers us with mercy, love, and forgiveness. Acceptance. This is the greatness of God's grace. He sees beyond the sin of a moment, sees the holy affections of love in those who refuse to turn away from him. Now, remember, Peter had just denied Jesus three times. Jesus is bringing healing three times. So we ask him three times, do you love me? Jesus didn't beat Peter up because of his failure. He didn't rake him over the coals because he denied he knew him three times. No, Jesus brought healing and wholeness to Peter because he told him, he said, I prayed for you that when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. He speaks to his future instead of his failure. That's powerful. Hang with me. He says, my delightfully loved friends. Delight. When our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. When our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Do you understand in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. That word with is a weak English translation because it'll take six English words sometimes to, to translate one Hebrew or Greek word. That word with is pros, which means face to face. That's intimate. That's relational. He says, whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. Uh-oh. By our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to him. Now, there's the crux of the matter because we keep his commands. Well, it tells you what the commands are. Here's, here they are. So these are his commands. That we continually place our trust in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Guess what that means? He also says it here. 
that he'll give you the desires as good as done. It says, for all who obey his commands find their lives joined in union with him and he lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the spirit that he's given to us. John 5, one in, uh, I'm sorry, 1 John 5. I'm, I'm getting close, hang with me. It's 5 to 12, he's taking medicine. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. I'm glad we're here. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 13. Same John that wrote the, the Gospel of John. Same John that wrote Revelation. Same John that put in John the disciple that Jesus loved. Three or four times. He don't mention the name because he's talking about himself. The disciple that Jesus loved. That'll put you on a plane that the enemy will go into a frantic nervous breakdown. He said, I've written this letter to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Remember 1 John 3? If you believe and trust in the name of the Son of God. He said, so that you will be assured and know without a doubt that you have eternal life. Since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness before him. There we are, face to face. For if we ask anything agreeable to his will. Now let me give you the translation. If we, if we ask anything, it is his will to hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we have attained the request we ask of him. So what does that, what does that mean? It means that when I get face to face with my father, my prayer is not a selfish prayer. It's not a want list. As a matter of fact, the only way I can pray the kind of prayer that's really amazing and according to my Father's heart, if I gaze into His eyes, I'm going to see His desire in His eyes. God. I want you to think about that a moment. Do you think it's his desire to see you whole? He's, I felt him just kind of sweep in here right now. Prayed for my sister-in-law before she went in the hospital and I took her by the hand. I said, Nita, if my children had a need, and I had all power. And I owned it all. 
Do you think for a moment I would withhold anything from my children? And it clicked, the lights came on. She said, neither will my daddy. I want you to think about that. If he spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? He is all powerful. He deserves all the glory and the majesty. Let me tell you something, beloved. You don't have to, the only thing you need to do is to get in that face-to-face stance with, get so close to him that you begin to understand what he wants. I quit praying if it's the Lord's will. I want to say that again. I quit adding to my prayer if it's the Lord's will. You know why? Because <laughs> I've seen his eyes. I mean, I mean I've spent time with him. And, and here's, the, here's the, the, the balancing part, the, the part that brings that part to, to a, a level understanding of the Spirit of God. I'm not going to ask anything that's contrary to his will. You know why? Because I see his desire in his eyes. So I said, thank you, Lord, for saving my children. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for giving us everything we need. You're Jehovah Jireh. You open your hand and meet the need of every living thing. Thank you, Lord, for giving us protection and keeping us. Uh, Lord, thank you for your provision. uh, uh, Lord, thank you for your presence in my life. Lord, show us how to be face-to-face with you. I want you to stand with me. That was my assignment today is to bring you into this understanding that you were loved. You're the treasure that he found in the field. Everything that happened to you, what people said about you, even what you did, that maybe you live in regret. I need to tell you that does not define who you are. I'm about to run. Everything that happened to you, I'm telling you, it's going to hit like a a wave of glory. That's not your identity. Your children, wherever they are, God's got it. They do not define you. People do not define you. Your past does not define you. He defines you. I find my beloved identity in Him. And because I found my safe place, that I'm loved passionately. Say it. Testify. Please, it was the best dinner, the best conversation. I've never heard that talk. So 
That's it. When you look in his eyes and you see his desire, guess what? Your children are safe. They're saved. Let, let me make this statement. That is amazing because let me, let me tell you, there's people that run all over <laughs> looking for a prophet to read their palm. <laughs> Come on, somebody. There's a lot of trickery going on. They'll drive for hundreds of miles to get a word. When it's in the whisper. Now he uses, I don't discount all the gifts of the Spirit because they, they confirm what God's told me. Right, Brother John? They, the, uh, those things can reinforce what I already know. When the Father looks at the cross... He sees our sin. But when he looks at Jesus, he sees us righteous. Let me say that again. When the Father looks at the cross, he sees our sin. But when he looks at Jesus, he sees you and me, and we are perfectly righteous in his sight. That's innocent. Passion. Now I want to pray for you.